Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat, all these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fishing action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Atch, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bow and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. All right, so as far as staying comfortable goes and when you're outside, I would argue that being comfortable is more important than like any tackle <laughs> item you bring because if you're miserable out there you're not having fun you're not gonna have fun and but we're both hard-headed enough that we're still gonna well and out. that's why we're friends and that's why we get along and then the people who aren't hard-headed i'm not probably gonna invite again but um like time on the water is way more important than any fishing rod yes, you could ever absolutely freaking buy all right cool I think we can start this by me admitting that I'm a hopeless fishing addict and that I actually plan on being here an hour early to work on the technical side of being like making a podcast. But um, the fish were supposed to be biting and I couldn't help myself and I went fishing instead. Spencer's 630 is rarely 630. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 15 minutes late this you were. time. And your steak was a little cold because of it. You know, it didn't <laughs> affect the flavor and it was still honestly freaking awesome i've never had a ribeye i wouldn't eat whether it's ice cold or straight off the grill <laughs> that is true rested five minutes of course <laughs> but like legitimately i pretty much fly by the seat of my pants every day because i don't know like i want to make videos i want to make podcasts but i really just want to fish all the time and it's amazing that you found a way to to bring that all together. is it is it really that amazing well like i just don't sleep for the for the normal person, it's it's a pretty amazing feat what you accomplish while having a full time job. Yeah, I don't. I feel. I mean, you can work out an ability to do something. You can scratch out two to three hours a day, pretty you can. easy. I you just can. I just don't watch TV. I was gonna say you scratch out like six. Well, <laughs> daily, not every day, day. <laughs> not daily. Uh, at least four days a week. I scratch yeah. out six hours, whether it's editing or making or going fishing or whatever. I would argue I feel more proud. It's not about proud about scratching out the time. I feel more proud 
about being able to catch fish in Iowa consistently enough to make two fishing videos a week. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I feel the most proud of because guess who travels to Iowa to go fishing? <laughs> Nobody. People who knows people that live in Iowa and just happen to want to go fishing. Pretty much. That's it. Pretty much. Iowa has a little bit of everything but isn't great at anything. And it's not. And it's, it's every species usually has like a two-week window in the spring and in the fall, but you never know when those two weeks are going to happen. I feel okay about it. Yeah. Like I said, that's where I'd feel the proudest is uh, staying on some sort of bite in some consistent fashion. Now, this fall, while I s- struggle with them, but uh, the catfish, channel cats, they're my, they were my savior. They are the go-to. They are the go-to. And they, they taste really good when the water's cold. But I don't know. I'm just hopeless fishing addict, Ryan. Ryan's trapping mm-hmm. addict right now. Well, that's that's... That's getting put to bed, and the ice fishing stuff's coming out. I'm kind of excited for a new season to start. And now I, instead of getting up at 4 in the morning and going trapping, I might get up 4 in the morning and see, try to get some crappie. So I'm kind of excited about it. Wow. That's definitely a good thing to be <laughs> excited about. Are you really going to wake up at 4 in the morning and go ice fishing? I wake up at about 4 anyway. That's so fair. I but might you... as well get a couple hours in before i got to be at work at 7, so. And you have places around here to catch crappies? Yeah. There's some little farm ponds. What about them cats? Yeah. That's about six miles away. Yeah. I'm a fishing addict, remember? <laughs> I might be here at four in the morning. We'll see. All right. So, segue. Terrible segue. But we're talking about stuff in water, like crappies. But what about stuff floating down water? What is something you have seen floating down the river? Just curious. Because I have my running list here. And I'll, I'll elaborate on that more in a sec. I mean, the problem with flowing water is people. If they want to get rid of anything, that's where the goats. Because you know? it floats away and then it it's out of sight, out of yeah. mind. It's, it's not my problem anymore. Have you ever seen a propane tank floating down river? I have not. Okay, I have. Have you ever seen a live deer floating down river? Floating or swimming? Well, There's I mean, a difference. They're, yes. they're not they're not on the bottom, so they're floating. <laughs> I uh, yes, I have. I've seen. What about several. a dead deer? A dead deer? No, okay. I've seen them like in log jams and stuff, but never just floating down. All right, this one wasn't floating down river, but I saw it in a river. Have you ever seen a car with bullet holes in a river? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, I have. Okay. Because, you know, everybody that's going down the river and sees a car, you might as well shoot it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get that. That and, that and signs along a gravel road. That's the one that gets me, like, a lot of people who are floating down the river are having a lot of fun. And um, sometimes things that don't seem like you need to do them at the time <laughs> when you're uh, sober they suddenly sound great. It's the best idea ever. Right. <laughs> but the... the the gravel road thing with the signs on the gravel road. I don't get like it. you could bring anything out there and shoot at it. You have to deface public <laughs> property. I don't understand that. Maybe it's just a rebellion thing. And the, the price of shells nowadays and the limited amounts. Everything's expensive. <laughs> Being, see, everyone's like, oh, that's so expensive. That's so expensive. Being alive is expensive. It is. And you just kind of got to accept that. Being dead is expensive too. Well, for the people <laughs> who are alive. Like when you're dead, it's. You don't want to, you know, leave a bunch of debt on your loved ones, but it doesn't really affect you anymore. 
But those who are alive, clean slate. It does affect. And yeah, that's a good point. What about? Well, can you think of anything you've seen floating down the river? Um, it's harder. That's why I made a list. Yeah, it's harder. To I, remember. All right, so I'll go through I mean, my list. Your your normal like floaties, like inner tubes, or you know those blow up mattresses that people float down. Yeah. Yeah. You see those all the time, and you know log jams are kind of fun to well, go around the corner and see a log jam and just see what's in there. Right. Well, that's where I've seen a lot of these things. Now that I think about it, ever seen a fridge? Saw Not a whole, in the water on the whole side. fridge in the water floating downriver. <laughs> uh, buckets, lots of buckets. Yeah, lots of buckets. Coolers, coolers. Yeah. From the you ever open one? I have not been that. Adventurous? Adventurous, yeah. Did I tell you about the one I... It was a soft-sided cooler I found. It was this summer. And uh, made a video on it. Uh, Inside of it were water bottles and two iPhones in waterproof cases. And Josh, the buddy I was fishing with, he took them and figured out whose they were and returned them to their owners. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) How about a whole railroad tie floating downriver? That's got to take some water. Yeah, and they're also hard on a lower unit. <laughs> I bet just, they are. Just saying that. I bet they are. Yeah. You uh, learned that once. I saw that on the Mississippi. Really? Yeah. It was just bobbing up and down, and we went beside it, not by a whole lot, and it was it kind of felt like it had the iceberg effect. You just see a little bit, and as you went by, you see how much is actually under the water. Oh, and you're like, oh man, that'd be hard on a lower unit. And that's why uh, I'm going to be driving a jet. <laughs> saw a bleach bottle. Um Dead fish. That kind of goes with the territory. Beer cans. Lots of beer cans. Ever tell you my favorite beer can story? I was sitting on the boat ramp, um, had my boat pulled off to the side of the ramp, and I was working on it. (laughs) That's Uh, owning a boat. Owning a boat uh, on the river, and a beer can floated by me, and it was kind of a fancier beer, like uh, IPA of sorts. Like your normal river rat yeah, yeah. it's just a little caught off guard by it, if I'm going to be honest. So I grabbed it and threw it in the boat, didn't think a whole lot of it, and then see another one floating down the river, grab it, and then see another one and another one and another one, <laughs> all the same style or brand or whatever. And these tubers roll up to the boat ramp, <laughs> and this dude is like, pulls his floaty, up on the boat ramp, and I look into the tube, and there is a box of these beer cans. Like, not there was no beer cans left, <laughs> but there was a box that matched the brand. And I was like, "Hey, man, do you want your beer cans back, or do you want me to recycle them for you?" <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he took them back. Well, that was nice. That's I what I thought. Yeah. I was I was kind of happy about that one. That it, it had a happier ending. I'm not necessarily trying to teach him a lesson. I just didn't want to carry his beer cans around. Uh, hopefully he learned a lesson. Well, think he did, a little bit. If he did, great. If not, I, yeah, whatever. Gray Goose Bottle. You ever seen a Gray Goose Bottle? That's pretty classy for the that, river. That is pretty classy. I've seen one. I, I can't say that a I A lot have, more Hawkeye vodka <laughs> bottles than <laughs> uh, Gray Goose Bottles. Tons of tires. You ever seen a tire floating, though? Never floating. But see them stuck to the bottom. See them all the time. Uh, Which it's what five dollars to 
get rid of a tire? I don't know. I think it's more than that. I think it's twenty. I think it's twenty dollar bill. And is it? Oh shoot! I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but uh, I know when I bought the place I live at now, there's a bunch of tires here, and in town they did a recycling one spring where you take your tires in. I think it's five bucks a tire. So you, did you get a bulk package deal? Ah, uh, no, I think that was just the going, they did, it was like a spring cleanup type deal, oh. but they just had a section where you could take used tires. It was five bucks a piece. Instead of throwing them in the river? Instead of throwing them in the river. <laughs> Making habitat. Yeah. Well, there, <laughs> you could make that argument though. Um, I, I mean, obviously, well, maybe not obviously. I would venture to say 99.9% .9 of people who throw a tire in the river are not doing it for fish habitat. They are not. But there are some programs like DNR will sink tons of tires in mostly lakes. But they're stacked up, aren't they? I to don't make know, a crevice. I, I don't know how they're arranged. I would think so. I think the idea for a lot of them is catfish spawning habitat, yeah. actually. But you'd still want something for them to get in. You know, a regular car tire wouldn't give very much protection. You wouldn't I, think? I wouldn't think, but... I don't know. I'm not a catfishologist. I study you're more. Pretty, you're I study a close. lot of stuff about them, <laughs> but uh, I don't have the piece of paper that says I'm an ichthyologist or anything. Well, if somebody's listening to this and knows a little more about this than we do, why don't you chime in and yeah, definitely type in and and yeah. let us know. Yep. And uh, the email to get a hold of us is Spencer at RiverCertified.com and. Tesla Ryan at hotmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to talk about how much you love this show or hate this show, um, preferably reasons why. Because I like constructive criticism. That's personally. right. And but, more than Spencer's just a jerk, because we all know that. That's <laughs> nothing new. <laughs> you got to be more creative than that. That's a fair point. But as far as the tires go, man, I don't know. They do, and they say they improve fish habitat. Yeah. But throwing them in a the river, I don't think I'd recommend it. I bet you get a ticket. They should. Agreed. There should be more tickets given out. Because you can't go to a single public access on the river without picking up two or two or three grocery bags full of garbage. Oh, it's every really, time I go. Really easy. And they do there's there's a handful of different groups. Um, a lot of them are little Facebook groups local to the area and they do a lot of really cool cleanups which is sweet and i've seen some pictures and stuff um from you know just documenting what they picked up and the amount of trash that they carry out from those dams uh just blows my mind yeah and that's one day a group of people one day going out and doing that and it's not even a big group you know? it's like 10 15 yeah. people it's cool they do it, though, because it's hard to imagine how much trash would be down there otherwise. it probably Actually, it probably wouldn't be that much because as soon as the river shoots up, yeah. it's, then it all comes this way. It all goes to the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> Once again, it's somebody else's problem. Now, I believe there's an island in the ocean. I can't remember if it's in the Gulf or somewhere else where like currents circulate, but it's an island the size. It's all garbage, a garbage island, and it's the size of a real island. And, and I it's just from the currents pushing it all in one yeah, spot. Yeah, it just swirls all the like all the trash that's floated or been thrown in the ocean. And uh yeah, it it's the size of a real I can't remember what island they compared it to, but it was an island where you thought, Holy crap. <laughs> but anyway, so I do know. I saw I I heard that story. I don't know all the specifics of that story, but I do know that uh the plastic that so let's say 
somebody throws a pop bottle into a ditch in Iowa, good old Iowa, and it rains, which it hasn't for a while, but <laughs> it rains and the ditches swell up and all of that, that pop bottle flows in the river, flows into the Des Moines, the Mississippi, hits the Gulf of Mexico. And when that bottle decomposes, and I'm throwing up quotation marks, <laughs> breaks down, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't actually break down entirely. It breaks down into like little itty-bitty particles, and then filter-feeding organisms scoop those up. And this this part, I'm not sure. I, I do know it causes health issues with you, those You would organisms. think so. Ingesting plastic's probably not the top of the list. Well... I can't remember what it does. I wanted to say blockages, but I don't think that's it. But I think there are other negative health impacts to those animals that eat all yeah, that stuff. Undigested material. I mean, it's it's either going to come out or it's not. <laughs> if they don't get it out, it's going to be an issue. Yeah, but something that's small. Yeah. I think you just pass it through. It's not like a pacifier. I had a dog when I was younger. Not my dog, my dad's dog. Um, that ate a pacifier when I was younger and unfortunately is not with us anymore, but, uh, because of the blockage from the pacifier, Oof. but, uh, these are substantially smaller than a pacifier. And the animals that are filtering it are smaller too, though. Maybe. I mean, a lot of the biggest animals on the planet are filter feeders like blue whales. Yeah. I mean, they just filter out stuff. They'd filter the whole bottle and not even know it. Right. <laughs> they they would. A blue whale could probably swallow a pacifier and be all right. Be all right. But who knows? I don't know. I'm not a blue whaleologist either. <laughs> Any blue whaleologist? Yeah. There. Let us know what you have to say about that. Um, but what we're gonna get into talking about is things that actually put fish on your hook. Things that things that really make a difference between. Catching and we're, having a good time. We're not actually going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> what what I want to talk about is how people don't like to talk about <laughs> those things that actually matter. I mean, think about it. Like, what do you think? What I think is you're correct. That people go fishing. If they catch fish, that's great. They don't. They still went fishing. Sure. That's, that's the mindset of most people. Now, you... Take it a little more serious and, you know, keep your logs that we'll talk about later and and find common denominators of why you had success and why you didn't. But this isn't about me. This is why, like, why do people not care about, and when I say the things that actually matter, I'm probably going to put people to sleep just even mentioning it, is like fish movements based on water level, based on time of year, based on... I don't know. I mean, the, that's the, the two big parts of it. Because I would say the average fisherman, just hobbyist fisherman, goes fishing twice a month. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, probably. So the water movements, the uh, moon phases, the locations, a lot of them don't care. They just want to go fishing. Which I can relate to that, too. You know, it's it's more about just having the two hours to dedicate to nothing just getting away yeah enjoying the day yeah you know now if they took it more serious then those things but, would... i mean even if you don't take it serious i don't understand why you wouldn't want to know those things because it's 
it's like, yeah, I get the want to just get away. I get the want to just chill or disconnect or whatever. But why wouldn't you want to listen to information that's actually going to help you catch more fish? Because rod and reel don't matter. The line don't matter. The bait, really, I mean, that matters a little bit, but not all that much. It's where the fish are. And if you're fishing where they're not, you're not going to catch them. And if you're fishing where there's not a lot of them, the odds of you having a really good day are zero. So I don't get why people don't want to know fish movements. Well, a lot of that information takes a lot of experience to obtain other than does it so i mean i but what, we're talking you. like you just tell somebody like i could look somebody in the eye and explain fish movements based on a variety of different factors and people just fall asleep is it me or i mean or is it the subject i don't know i mean in fishermen's kind of going out that's where i cut my teeth and reading all that information they did a good job of mixing science with practical fishing information and I loved it. I ate it up, and now they're gone. I mean, well, they're still here, but, I mean, as much as I love in fishermen, it's sad to see how thin those magazines are getting anymore, you know. Yeah. Well, it's a technology base, you know. There, there are more online, you know, but they're not. articles and stuff. But I'm not just not in fishermen, but if you look up catfishing tactics on the great Google you're going to find a lot of yeah, but information. The, the places that have strictly information that helps you as an angler aren't very popular. Yeah. I why? Well, it all comes back to habit. There's a lot of people in any different, you know, area. So fishing's that way. If you go to a certain gravel pit and you knock out crappie, yeah. every time you want to catch crappie, that's where you're going to go. You know, if you sit along the river and the circumstances are a hundred percent and you get a forty pound flathead, next time you go forty or next time you want to go flathead fishing, that's probably where most people are gonna go because it's proven success. That's true. You know, and that's that's probably I would say the vast majority, at least well over fifty percent of the people that go fishing twice a month. Yeah, but then once again, creatures of habit everything why wouldn't you want to listen to the things that are going to help you catch more of those i don't have an answer for that that's what I'm trying. i don't do that i try to absorb as much as possible we need to have somebody in here who doesn't find that interesting <laughs> and i'm just curious to hear why what they the response don't is find it interesting and i i think it will lead most of it will lead back to it's just time away if they catch fish they catch fish they don't they don't i don't know it's weird uh around here right now it's there's distemper going around in the raccoon population so in the last month i've got quite a few calls of so pretty what, weird acting raccoon all right so i'm gonna do the segue so i don't have a good segue except this is just weird um brian was talking about how some raccoons have distemper and I've heard the words distemper before, but as far as what exactly that disease is, I'm not positive. Is that the one where they lose their hair, or is that something? No. Canine distemper is what it's called, and it actually affects their brain. Okay. And So is it like a virus, like rabies? 
or is yes. it a prion yeah. like mad cow disease or yeah, i believe it's viral okay i i could be wrong somebody out there will know more than me but i believe it is viral i know it's in the blood and saliva see all right and it does time out so i think one of the things i'm most excited about for having this podcast is for people to correct me on all the things I'm wrong on so I can like learn yes more and more and more and more but anyway so it's canine distemper affects their brains and yeah it it, uh causes a lot of saliva like through the nose and the mouth and uh they just stagger around you know they're lost you see them out in the middle of the day in the middle of the field uh we've had a lot in town that like one was in a dog house that the owner thought he was just sleeping and tried to poke him to get him out and looked up and there was saliva everywhere and he was groggy and i mean it's it's i've seen as many dead raccoon this year trapping as i've caught trapping you ever had a raccoon try to sneak up on you while you're fishing not intentionally i think we've both been as just as surprised that we were that close together. So, uh, I, several years ago, I was sitting on the bank by myself, and I had my bait tank rolling, and uh, had a raccoon. I was sleeping, or maybe I was like right on the edge of sleep, and I heard some noise by my bait tank. I look over, and there's a raccoon sneaking, like slinking into my camp. I guess if you'd call it a camp, because all it was was a chair and a bait tank, um, slinking into camp. And trying to open the bait cooler to steal my bait. If you'd have given him enough time, he'd have got it done. Well, he would have. And then I <laughs> yelled at him. I was like, two in the morning. I was like, hey, get out of here. And he ran away. I heard him run. And then I heard him stop. And he didn't stop very far away. And I kind of start to doze off, you know, seconds after that. Because I was really tired. And... I hear that noise again. I look over and he's back. And this happened four or five different times. Opportunistic. They'll eat anything. <laughs> well, I was, all right. So speaking of raccoons, you got me going on the raccoon track. I was, most of you probably don't know this. Uh, I've told Ryan many, many of the South Padre stories, but I spent two summers living down South Padre when I was in college. And uh, the the whole reason behind that was just to fish, fish as much as I could fish the ocean and the ocean that's part of the reason I got into fly fishing is because when you come back to Iowa, there's not a whole lot of fish that compare to ocean dwelling fish and flathead's about as close as you get. Wipers are close second. But anyway, um, I was sleeping on a rock on uh, Port Mansfield Jetty off South Padre Island and the rocks are big. I, I have no idea how they put them there, but there, I mean, there's several places that are you know, these rocks are flat, semi-flat surface. It's 10 feet by five feet wide, at least based on my memory. And I was sleeping on this rock, shark fishing, and woke up at five in the morning as the sun was cresting the horizon to this scratching noise. And I opened my eyes and there's a raccoon within, I don't know, two feet, like just staring, staring deeply into my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> And I went from laying down flat, completely asleep, to standing on my feet, wide awake, in an instant. At least, based on what my memory calls. And there was at least ten of them. The one that was closest to me was the one staring me deeply into my eyes. I don't know if he was in love or 
just hungry. Probably your breath. Yeah, that, <laughs> oh, that could have driven a lot of raccoons at that point in time. But uh, yeah, there was at least ten of them just hanging out on the rocks. What was their response? They they scattered. They weren't as startled as you because they're used to it. They did raccoon things. <laughs> they just took off. Mumbly bumbly. Yeah. So back to the the distemper. Like you've been so what what causes that? Uh, overpopulation is the big one. You okay. know, it's just like anything else. If it's always in the population. I mean, you're never going to get rid of it. There's no vaccine that you're going to give a raccoon. Right. So it's so always going to be. If there's a pile of them, then they just more and more and more start getting it. Yeah. And just then through contact. Yeah. Then you have a mass kill off and then the cycle starts over. That makes sense. I mean, it's. So are they like the only overpopulated thing that you're trapping or is there. No, everything right now is is because fur prices are right. horrible. Well, right let's take now. a step back. So being a science teacher. Me just thinking out loud. As human population grows, animal populations decrease. But the animals that are being trapped are not decreasing; they're increasing. Or are they like they're they're increasing into because we're in farmland, you know? It's yeah. They're they've they've got the resources to where they yeah can, here I suppose they, they can would survive. You know, and our population isn't booming up. Yeah, no, what do we have, like three slowly. and a half million people in Iowa, it's, or maybe five? It's not a pile. Yeah, and it's not a dense population. It's pretty spread out with all the farm farm right. areas and timber that are still left. Well, if there's any critter that's going to do well, it's going to be a raccoon. Raccoon and coyotes. Yeah. Coyotes they, have done very well in the yeah. last 15 years. So when I lived in a city, I was driving – somewhere for some reason i don't remember the what and the why but i do remember what i saw i saw a raccoon it looked like it'd been hit by a car in its back end or something somehow it's two hind legs were injured in a way where they're no longer functional and it was running on its front two paws and it was hauling man like i was just driving by and saw this thing cut out in front of me and i stopped my vehicle to look well my vehicle my super awesome chevy cavalier at the time I had a sunroof, and it might have had a hole in the floor from all the rust, too. But uh, I stopped it and looked over at that raccoon, and he just ran across the porch on his two front legs like he'd been doing it for his whole life. Well, he doesn't have a choice. He's either going to adapt or he's going to die. You're right. That's You're it. Right. Makes makes the guy feel appreciative for what he's got. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, fishing logs. Do you keep a fishing log? I do not, and I I need to. Everyone says that. I, I really Why do. don't you? Because I never have. You know, I, I never got into that habit. But you've always known you should. Yeah. And, you know, the older I get, the more I forget. So It's like I, back to the things that matter. It is. People tuning out for the things that matter. Yeah. It's just like, why don't you keep a fishing log? I don't know. For me, like the times I slip, it's always time. But everything in my life, it's like, do you have enough time? Do you have enough time? Do you have enough time? I wish days were like 48 hours long <laughs> instead of 24 hours long. But I still squeeze in the time to do it. And most people don't. And I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I just want to know why. Yeah. And, I mean, you've proven to me the time that I fished with you. How useful that information yeah, is. it's not about me. <laughs> well. It's about you right now, You're the right? only guy I know who keeps a log. Yeah, but why <laughs> am I the only guy you know that keeps a log? Like, why don't other people do it? They should. 
We already have established this, right? They should. They should, but why don't they? Inconvenience, I guess. I mean, a lot of people don't collect enough data in a year's time to be accurate. To really make a difference type deal? Is that what you're talking about? Because they may go out fishing in high water three times. Sure. The moon phase may be different each time. The flow... It may be different each time. The water's right. coming up. The water's going down. So their amount of data is not going to correlate a pattern. Right, right. Like a guy who fishes every day. Right. Or, let's say, five days a week that sees the rise, the fall, you know, the stable. Because in Iowa, in a five-day period, you could see all three of those. You probably will. So, <laughs> like, unless yeah. it quits raining. And it's leveled out, you'll see all three. So, I mean, a data with that much information is going to be way more useful than a normal fisherman who the amount of data that, let's say, you collect in one year would take him maybe 10 years to collect. So do you think it's an instant gratification thing? I think it's not a planning ahead thing for them. Like looking at I the long game type deal? Yeah, it's, it's, but you could make the argument that's instant gratification too. It could be. I mean, I think more people log with pictures. You know, you, can, now. you, you get a catch, you take a picture, you look at that picture, you're going to remember what the situations were for the most part. You know, you might not know the exact flow, but you're going to know it was high or low. High or low. Yeah. Or if it just rained the week before, if it was a full moon that night, or if it was cloudy, or, you know, just seeing a picture of that catch and taking you back to that moment, you're going to have some of those details stored away. Yeah, but that's pretty recent that people started doing that. I mean, within the last decade or so, I'd say a large portion of the population yeah. have been steadily taking pictures of their catch. They're more readily with a smartphone. Yeah, you know, that's, that's what like I'm that, saying. You know? Most pictures before a smartphone that were taken are fish that are now dead because they took them home, took a picture, yeah. filleted them. Yeah, that's true. You know, you didn't have pictures of catch and release. Most people who let fish go didn't take a picture. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have the means to. But those people, most of those people didn't keep a log either. They do not. So I'm just kind of curious. Like, honestly, it's probably one. I don't, I don't know if there's anything more valuable to consistently catching fish in your area, even just overall, if you can identify the patterns, then keeping a log. And that goes for any outdoor sports. No, you're right. You know, you're right. You know, a trapping log, a hunting log, mushroom hunting, asparagus, you know, anything that anybody does outside. There's so many variables to success that a log puts it in black and white. It lets right. you see that pattern where, you know, over a course of a season – you may not pick that up without being able to review it. Or the course of a lifetime. I mean, anecdotal data is one thing, and you can pull anecdotal data from a log. But uh, just looking at things from like the perspective of somebody who's just observing you know, from the outside looking in, somebody who's just thinking about past trips, you know, there's only so much you can remember so much you can pull from that i just just kind of curious what the reason is i I feel like the 
the simplest reason that I, I can think of, and I, I just wanted to hear what you thought, was time investment and revo- reward based on your time investment and then just enjoyment of filling out a log. Yeah. Because I guess I honestly don't enjoy filling out the log that much. But, but I, you enjoy going back and looking at the information later on. Not really. You don't? No. Like I do it out of necessity or not even necessity out of just want to learn more about the fishery. But I I don't like looking back at the past. So what do you include in your log? What information is in there? Well, let's talk about how I keep a log, I suppose. If you want to simplify your log keeping process, this is the best way I've found. It's uh, you create a Google Sheet because then it's on your smartphone all the time. And you can fill out a large portion of that log while you're just out, especially if you're catfishing. You know, when you're catfishing, you're just sitting down relaxing. If you have a bait clicker set, you don't have to keep an eye on your rod tips. So when I'm flyhead fishing, I have my log and I have the date. I have the number of hours fished. I have the water body, spot type, bait location, uh, water depth, of where where my bait's at air temp water temp atmospheric pressure whether it's rising or falling moon phase flow whether the river is rising or falling the bait um the bait that got hit whether it was on the bottom or on a bobber number of fish caught the time they were caught fish size and then i have a notable info where I can write down, you know, just random stuff. And that is the most uh, elaborate log that I keep. I keep one for, that was the flathead one. Keep one for channel cats. I keep one for walleyes. I keep one for hybrids. And then I keep one for ice fishing. So I have them all categorized. The channel cat one is not quite as elaborate. I got date, location, spot type, air temp, water temp, moon phase, wind, bait, number of fish, size, the flow or level, whether it's rising, falling, or stable, and then notable info. Quite a bit less for channel cats, and that'd be the same for walleyes, hybrids, ice fishing. The one I am the most elaborate with is flatheads because everything seems to matter for flatheads. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's say we're out ice fishing all day. We go drive an hour and a half up to a spot, and we go fish, and then come back, and it's 1030 at night. How long is it going to take you to fill out that log? Well, I'm going to do half of it. So for ice fishing? Yeah, let's just say, because those are usually long trips. Yeah, so I'll probably take two minutes while we're out there, and then I'll take another five to ten later. Um, depend. Well, it depends on how long I wait. If I do it right away, it takes like two minutes while I'm there, three to five minutes when I'm back. If I wait two or three days and then I don't remember a lot of that stuff. So I got to go back and like look at past weather, past atmospheric pressure, where if you just do it in the moment, it takes significantly less time. And Would, do you have apps on your phone that gives you all that information? Yeah, yeah. Right well, that's yeah. the thing. Like you have a smartphone, so you just download the Google Drive app and the Google Sheets app and you have this Google Sheet on your phone and you can, as long as you have your smartphone, you can fill it out anywhere which 
I always have my phone, and everybody yeah. I know yeah. always has <laughs> their phone, so it's no big deal. Before that, I had a paper copy that included all that information I do when I got home. Which is for sale for 19 19- Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I should auction that. Like, I think I talked about that before. Yeah. If I don't, But I don't know if anyone would even give a crap. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's like eight years of flathead fishing on that thing, so... It's it's the only thing in his house in a safe. Everything, yeah, right. everything else yeah, is right. just laying around. <laughs> There's a couple other things that the, the the captain's log did not make it the safe. Actually, do I even have it? I might have threw it away. I put all the information on my phone digitally, and I might have got rid of the paper copies. You better have shredded it. No, I burned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's gone, God. No, so that's how I keep a log and. That's what I do, and that's the way I found it to be most efficient. Some people only log fish, and that becomes more efficient as far as time goes, but I don't think you get all the information because I think there's a lot to be learned from your failures, too. Yeah. And I have a lot of them. <laughs> well, that's why you have success, because you have a lot of failures. Well, I yeah. Because your luck sucks. <laughs> it does. <laughs> if it you does. went on luck alone, you wouldn't smell a flathead. <laughs> I wish I could argue with you on that. All right, Ryan, you got a trip coming up. I do. I'm kind of excited about it. I'm kind of, well, I'm going to, I'd say I'm jealous, but I'll probably be going on a trip about the same time. <laughs> well, it's, it's 14 of my buddies that I went to school with, hung out with. You know, as time goes, we're all in our 40s now. We all drift apart. So we're going to get together, and we're going to spend a week. We're going to do some ice fishing, a lot of drinking, and just have a good old time. You know, we got all of our meals planned already, so we got everything. Can I can I ask out. you where you're going? We're going up South Dakota. We're going to hit uh, um, a few lakes, uh, Ponset, Thompson, kind of that area. We're going to hit, There's four or five lakes in that area that we're going to probably spend a day on each one unless we get on some big walleye, which I think five of them went up last weekend, kind of a scout trip, and they did pretty well on uh, Thompson. So we may spend a little more time on there if we can figure them out again. That's weird because I almost went there last weekend. Yeah. Well, they uh, were sight fishing in 18 foot of water, <laughs> and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's awesome until the fish, you see the fish down there not eat your bait. Yeah, that's what they said. They they end up catching quite a few walleye, and I think the biggest one was 21, but they said that they saw several that were larger than that. Just look at them and go on through. Dude, it just annoys the crap out of me. That's half the reason I don't buy a underwater camera. I should, because I think it'd really be cool, but uh, I sight fish perch on West Boji, and you can see 20, 25 feet down there in the winter, and I was looking at all these perch that were... I mean, any, anywhere from, you know, four to 12 inches long. And I caught one <laughs> and there were dozens of them down there and it didn't matter what I did. Yeah. That, and that's, care. that is the hardest part of fishing is the actual catching. Cause you know, they're there, you know, they're there. And then they won't eat. They won't eat. Ran in the same thing today. I had a couple giant marks coming on the flasher and they chased me around and then left 
<laughs> Thanks for the exercise. Yeah, exactly. We'll exactly. <laughs> well, from an evolutionary standpoint, that's one thing I don't understand is how a fish expands that much energy, especially in cold water, and then doesn't follow Just up and decides, eat. decides, no, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're not. Their metabolism's so slow that... Uh... Oh, shit. <laughs> their metabolism's so slow that... You know, they're they're not going to be burning all that much energy even when they're moving around. So, I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. But just to get a catfish to move around is pretty impressive, let alone. They were moving around the other day. Holy crap. Really? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Like, I had one. I went fishing. Once again, I'm a fishing addict. Uh, yesterday, <laughs> uh, it was targeting catfish and had one that I had chased me up the bo- off the bottom like a crappie. And I teased him up, and then he hit it so hard that he slacked my line. And then I set the hook. Just felt a nudge, and the line was slack and hit him. It was pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. Except he was 15 inches long. But, you know, I admired his tenaciousness. All about the effort. Yeah, he had plenty, plenty of effort. So what are, you, what are you doing to get ready for that trip? Well, I mean... Sadly, I haven't even been on the ice yet, so this weekend's going to be a scout trip. Make sure all my equipment works. That is sad, by the way. It is sad, but trapping just got over, so yeah. now we're now we're switching seasons finally. So, you know, I already had all my rods out, got a new line on them. You know, went through the tackle boxes, make sure everything's sorted. But you know, I'm gonna get my heater out, get my drill out, make sure everything's good, make sure my shack doesn't have any new mouse holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> which is a real problem it is a real problem so uh you know just get everything ready you know like i said we each divvied up days you know we we each group has a day that they make the menu they supply the food you know our our house that we are renting sleeps 16 we're taking 14 with us it's got a uh, four-car garage to put all the machines and shacks in to dethaw overnight it's got a pool table it's got a ping pong table it's got a bar downstairs so it's you're outfitted it's going to be a pretty pretty nice trip what's what's your day what's on have you came up with your menu yet actually yeah one of my buddies that has my day loves smoking so he's going to make pulled pork sandwiches smoking meat oh okay okay so he's going to make pulled pork sandwiches and smoked macaroni and cheese and then I just got to come up with sides. So it's my day's pretty good for dinner. So breakfast is like all on your own? Yeah, we'll we'll just do, you know, quick breakfast every day, like breakfast burritos or, you know, sausage and eggs. That's the most important meal of the day. It is, but the guys I fish with, especially if we're going to be drinking all day, to get them up for morning bite is going to be a challenge the way it is. <laughs> so we might have breakfast on the ice. That's fair. <laughs> I'll have plenty of snacks. Are you going to bring the stuff to cook any fish out on the ice, or are you just going to wait till dinner for that stuff? Yeah, and I don't even know if we're going to cook fish because, like I said, there are going to be 14 of us. So yeah. to cook fish for 14 people, that's, that's going to take yeah. a long time. That's just assuming everybody caught fish because limits are kind of strict up there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we'll just uh, clean and bag and bring home to eat and then have our meals up there. So. It's not a bad plan. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. I, I don't care if I catch fish. I just, you know, it's been a lot of years since I've seen some of them guys, so it's going to be nice to catch up. So that, just enjoy it. that sounds like a normal fishing trip. Like, 
If you were to go on a fishing trip with me. <laughs> That's a completely different completely. scenario. We're going to cut 12 guys. Well, at least 10 guys out yeah. right off the top. Well, I don't like to go with more than four. I don't know four people that like to fish the way we fish when we go on our trips. Well, you only have to know two because <laughs> yeah. that would make four. <laughs> and we do have two. Right. We just, just got to stagger them. Well, so my whole point is it's a totally different trip. So It is. You're it is. going on, you're going to go on an ice fishing trip. You're staying in a nice house. You know, you're going to have creature comforts. We're when, have... when we go camp out on the river in the summer, in warmer months, and sometimes colder months, uh, what are you doing different like to get ready, ready for that? So let's fast forward to the spring. So spring, you haven't camped out for a while. What are you going to do to get ready for flathead season? It's a lot easier. You know, we take half the amount of stuff because whatever but you can make the take, argument, it's, it's more difficult because you only get to bring half the stuff. That's true. So like what half, what stuff are you bringing? Well, I mean, of course you got to be comfortable. If you're not comfortable, you're going to hate it. If you're up all night freezing to death, I mean, last year I... It's inevitable. It's going to yeah, happen. It is To some happen. degree. But, you know, that that takes the fun and enjoyment out of it. And Well, with every adventure, there's a certain level of suck <laughs> to it. Is, especially when I fish with you. You right. bring the suck level right. to it. Sometimes all I, time I'm... I, it's, it's just all me sometimes. <laughs> so, no, uh, you know, a good sleeping bag, especially one that's waterproof. You know, up until last year, mine wasn't waterproof, so the morning dew got me every time. So I was com- comfortable till the sun started coming up, and then the dew hit, and I was cold till it warmed up. Um, as far as eating, I mean, keep it compact. Bring the the bare necessities. Make sure you have Cajun seasoning, some yes. hot sauce. Yes, that'll make anything taste wonderful. Um, as far as tackle, you know, everything everything I need for flathead fishing fits in a backpack. So the backpack, you know, goes with me if I'm fishing out of a kayak, fishing out of a boat, fishing on land. You know, the things I throw in it may change a little bit. You know, your life jacket doesn't take up any room. It's definitely a necessity. Um, leader line, little things like that. Because when you fish a river, you're going to get snagged up. You're going to have to redo. And that's all fishing stuff, you know. Like fishing, fishing stuff, stuff varies based on the person. Yeah. So you're bringing a sleeping bag. You're bringing a good light. You know, I got some rechargeable headlamps that that do, do a great job. What, what do you like about the rechargeable? See, my problem with the rechargeables, based on my fly by the seat, of my pants lifestyle, is I either forget to charge them or I forget to grab them <laughs> from the charger. I have two, and they go in rotation. Uh, I've got a charger right in my truck. As okay. soon as I get in my truck, I plug them in. It's got a nice blue light on it, so I always know they're there. And I always have one in my tackle box that's charged, and then one in my truck charging. So I run a rotation with them. That that might work even for me. That's, it's, it seems to cut out the misses. But that does remind me of a great story and why my – girlfriend does not like flathead fishing <laughs> she decided when we first started going out that it was a nice you know august night we we're gonna go out flathead fishing so i was just gonna take so it's her- like 80 degrees at 11 o'clock on <laughs> august so i'd take her to a you know kind of a boat ramp type area of course there's people there and 
take her to another one. There's people there. So I got the idea. All right, we're going to load up the kayak. We're going to go down the ramp, round the bend to some logs that I know. Five, ten-minute float tops. Two people in a kayak. A, a D10 sure. kayak. A little ten-foot kayak. Little, yeah. little ten-foot Two Wait, ascend. two people in a ten-foot kayak. With gear. Like yeah, camping with gear. bait, fishing equipment, cooler. It was a full ship. but it didn't sink it did not it did not we got there safe everything was great i got camp set up got a fire going we cooked some s'mores got baits out turtles were biting so clickers were going crazy (laughs) so it's about dark and look around look around no light no light at all (laughs) wait so you floated down there not in the dark not in the dark. Yeah, it was price smart. It was pretty dark. And uh, so she instantly, of course, was panicking because she's not a outdoors. Surprise, the sun went down. <laughs> yes. <it's, laughs> the sun is da- down and I'm not home. So it was the last time that she's went camping with me. <laughs> so is fishing. this a success story or is yeah, it, it what it, you shouldn't do? I got caught five flathead that night. Well, that's a success. At least three were over 20 but I your, your girlfriend doesn't want to fish with you anymore. she slept through every one of them because yeah. they didn't they didn't start biting until like three thirty in the morning when i had like five baits left because the turtles wouldn't leave me right, alone right so i finally caught a turtle and then the flathead showed up so it was a great trip well you're not the only one i mean we've shared this but uh like i caught well actually i didn't catch so rewind like five years ago, six years ago, my wife, Ella, girlfriend or fiance at the time, maybe I think girlfriend at the time, she caught, we went fishing and she caught a 38, 37, 37, 38 pound flathead and fought it like a champ, was laughing, smiling, yelling, screaming, excited the whole time. And she gets this fish in, snap a few nice photos. She's smiling ear to ear, and we let it go. And I was thinking, yes, this is the moment. She's hooked. And then she says something like, that was fun. Let's go try to catch something else like a carp. There's nothing wrong with carp, just for the record. Um, Especially about pound, pound and a half. Yeah. They love those. On a 10-pound, or a 10-aught hook. Um but uh, I was just couldn't believe, you know, like you just caught one of the most prestigious <laughs> fish of the Midwest. And not only that, like a nice one. And now you want to go fish for something else? I don't know. But uh, I don't want to wait for two hours to get a bite, Spencer. I want bites now. Well, I can I can kind of get that. And flyhead fishing. Is and at least carp get, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 pounds. That- so, my favorite carp story. I was I was fishing a tournament. I don't fish very many tournaments. This was in college, and it was just a Sunday where I didn't have anything to do. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to take 15% of the money I make a month and go put it on a tournament. <laughs> like Terrible idea from that perspective. But it was fun. But anyway, I didn't have a boat. I didn't know anyone with a boat. So I got a hold of the tournament director, and I said, can I fish in a kayak? And he said, sure. And I said, can I use a stringer? 
And at the time, that was okay. It's no longer okay, so you can't really fish these particular catfish tournaments out of a kayak. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to do it. So, uh, actually, I said, if I can catch bait the night before, I'll do it. And I made one throw with the cast net and loaded it up with shad and said, all right, I guess I'm going to do it. <laughs> so uh, I went and fished this tournament and uh, caught my limit, felt good about it. And I'm working my way back to the boat ramp because it's getting closer closer to weigh-in time. And throw out a line, real shallow, muddy bottom. It was uh, later in the fall, and that's why I was up in that area. And my rod just folds over, drag, peeling. And I'm like, this kicker. is this <laughs> is the kicker. And I fight it and fight it and fight it and fight it. And I get it to the kayak and it's at least a 25 pound carb. <laughs> and in the moment, it hurts me to say I was a little disappointed. Looking back at it, I should have just enjoyed the fight, been appreciative of, you know, catching a fish of that size. But at that exact moment, I was not happy at all. <laughs> So I released the carp and went on my way and weighed in the tournament and didn't win any money. And ironically, the highest I've ever placed in a tournament was when I was fishing by myself out of a kayak <laughs> in a boat tournament. I was the only kayak in the, this was a boat tournament, not a kayak tournament. It was a boat tournament. That's the highest I've ever placed. Well, actually I should take that back again because I fished a kayak tournament and I got second and I lost Denny. 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 <laughs> He was clutch. He was clutch when it mattered. Well, so here's an inside story to that. We were fishing a kayak tournament on Lake Kentucky. And as far as I know, I was beating the brakes off everybody in the field and felt real good about it. And then Denny hits a double that uh, blows me out of the water, which on that lake, Lake Kentucky, it's not... You know, it's on the Tennessee River. It could be real good. Uh, the flat or the flathead, the catfish populations have some obstacles to overcome on that particular fishery in Kentucky. Tennessee takes care of their catfish. Kentucky does not, and the difference in catfish populations is obvious. But uh, I guess all those things aside, Denny hits uh, I think a twenty-seven and a seventeen which you put those together, those are his, those two were bigger than my three. So that wasn't <laughs> good for me. But anyway, the way it worked was you had to call a way boat in if you were in the kayak division and the boat rolls out and grabs your fish in a net and weighs them in the boat and records that weight. So your three biggest fish uh, go to your total bag so he hits this double, and he's trying to call the way boat, but his phone doesn't have reception. And he wasn't that far away from me, and he's, like, yelling at me. And I'm thinking, I'm just sitting there, you know, waiting for a bite. And I hear this noise, and I see, I turn over, and I see Denny waving his hands at me, thinking, what's going on? <laughs> so I, so thought, I ignore him for at least 30 minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I reeled my lines in after I ignored him for 30 minutes and paddle over there expecting like some emergency of some sort, like maybe he's dead or something. I don't know. Like 
not good. So I paddle over there real quick and he's got these two fish hanging and I realize what's, he's like, I can't get a, any reception. And I had a little bit, so I called the way boat. I called the way boat, the way the fish that beat me. <laughs> Not saying I should get a win or anything. I just am calling it ironic. Yeah. So anyway, back to the whole trip prep. For me, it's all about conserving weight, conserving like space. And I'm a kayak guy. Um, actually, no, I'm not a kayak guy. I'm a fishing guy. And whatever puts the fish in hand is all I really care about. But saving space is beneficial, whether you're hauling your gear down the bank whether you're throwing a kayak or throwing in a boat, the less space your gear takes up, the easier it is to carry, the less hassle it is, and then the the less crap you have to trip over in 16-foot John boat, which seems to always be an issue. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I have a dry bag, and the dry bag in the dry bag, I fit a sleeping bag. I fit a super compact, like, hiking-style cot. I have a inflatable sleeping pad and then an inflatable camp pillow. And those are kind of the things you need to be comfortable. And in that bag, I also throw an extra sweatshirt. So no matter how cold it is, I always have an extra sweatshirt. Oh, and I have an extra pair of wool socks. Like, I mean, being hot is one thing. Like if it's hot, you can take your shirt off. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, when it's cold and you don't have enough clothes to put on, that does feel like the end of the world. And that's why I get mad at myself. Because yeah. I know I'm prepared for clothing. If I don't bring it, that, that upsets me at myself. Well, you know you have it. <laughs> yes. It's just not there. It's just not there. So I always have that stuff with me. Wool socks, extra sweatshirt, all those sleeping things. And I know when I'm out there, I'm going to be comfortable. And, um, well, for the most part. Oh, another one I usually bring is extra pair of shoes. Cause when you're, you're kind of a foot snob. You well, take care of your feet very well. Well, you could make the argument that lack of foot care ruins more trips than anything. It definitely gets cold quicker. Right. Covered so, in mud. So I always bring extra pair of socks. And uh, the last two years, I've always brought an extra pair of camp shoes, which are, you know, they don't take up any room. They're... They're just uh, like slip-on type boat shoes that are, it's easy to squish them down. There's not much to the body of them. So if your feet get wet and your shoes get wet that you wore originally, you can just put on those wool socks and put on those shoes and all of a sudden your feet are real comfortable. Oh, and I have a microfiber towel for drying your feet off if they're wet or anything else that gets wet. And, you know, there's been handfuls of times where that's really came in handy. Yeah. And it takes a trip that would have sucked and made it enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, especially when you push the, the envelope early in the year, you know, itching to get out or late in the year trying to catch, you know, that one one last big flathead of the year. You know, things can get pretty bad out there. It gets chilly pretty quick. I've, I was fortunate this year that, I, honestly, like there's a handful of times in the fall where it was just as warmer, warmer than the summer. Yeah. Yeah, we had a good... Well, still, I mean, still, we've only had a handful of days that were zero or below, so it's been a pretty good year. Anybody from, like, Florida or Georgia is <laughs> listening to that, zero or below. <laughs> I get it. It, it. it is as cold as it sounds, but yeah. you, you get used to the things you get used to. I don't know. Like, here, here's a segue for you. 
I'm used to fishing with braid. You're used to fishing with mono. I am. Like, what What do you like? I see I hate mono. What do you like so much about mono fishing lines? We're talking main line here. It's when you're flathead catfishing in general, or just any fishing in general. I no longer use any monofilament or fluorocarbon main line. I am strict braid. And Ryan uses mono for all kinds of stuff. I do. Yeah, that's... I've never been a braid guy. I Knots with braid have, have always kind of eluded me. I mean... A palmer knot. It's the easiest know, knot there but, is to tie. But it's... To me, I mean, I grew up on mono. That's my go-to. That's where I feel comfortable. You know, I can... I've got mono for any situation. You know, I when we're going all the way up to 80 pound when we're drifting for blue cat or i usually use 50 or 60 pound when we're river fishing or you know clear down to my four pound ice mono that's that's just i got the feel for it that's what i've always used i I don't even use mono for ice fishing (laughs) i don't use mono for wintertime walleye fishing i don't use mono on my bait rods anymore it's all braid every bit of it I just can't stand the stretch, the lack of feel, um, the lack of casting distance. To me, in my mind, um, well, the only advantage mono has is it's thicker, which most of the time is a disadvantage. Um, With flathead fishing, I'm using 85-pound braid, and the reason I'm using 85-pound braid is because it's thicker. And people say that mono is more abrasion resistant than braid, and I would argue that because if you take twenty pound braid or twenty pound mono, which is the same diameter equivalent as eighty five pound braid, the braid is just as abrasion resistant or more abrasion resistant than that monofilament is. And people bring up rocks. I fish around rocks all the time. I've never ever had a real issue with braid breaking off any more readily than monofilament is. I run a mono leader, but that's just so my hook breaks off before my weights and swivels and sinker slide and beads all break off. Could you imagine trying to break that 85-pound braid in a kayak? I've done it. Can (laughs) can I imagine? Yeah, I've done it. no fun. You know, you get your sinker stuck in a rock or something, (laughs) yeah. You just wrap your main line around a stick or your bait net handle or something and you, you give it a sharp tug and i guess you can make the argument that's why i lift weights <laughs> you know because honestly being strong does make a big difference for that type of stuff but yeah it's not easy the 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 problem the only problem i run into is when you snag something that's flexible yeah like you snag a hook into a, a limber tree branch or a bunch of fishing lines. Or... Well, even then you can break the fishing line. As long as the fishing line's around something solid. Yeah. It's when you get something that's that bends with you that you can't really, really, really straighten out that becomes a big issue. The yo-yo effect. Yeah, the yo-yo effect's <laughs> real. No, I've, I've just never really had any issues with mono. I've never, never really felt a need to switch. Um. I I tried some new mono this year and I really didn't like it. It really had more stretch than than what my older stuff did. So I'm I'm definitely going to go back to the the type of line that I had used previously. But 
I'm, you know, I really haven't had any failures due to what I would call mono. But, you know, maybe I'm just lucky. <laughs> I wouldn't call it lucky. I mean, there's nuances to every piece of equipment you use. Like, one thing I miss, because I grew up fishing mono, like, uh, Channel Cats on small streams ran fourteen pound, twelve to fourteen pound monofilament for all of that. And one thing I really miss switching to braid, and you know, a handful of people ask me this question: It's like, why don't you set the hook when you get a bite? And with braid, honestly, I set the hook like a lot of people set a circle hook using mono. All you do is lift the rod steadily. And you don't want any erratic motion. You just lift the rod and uh, reel as you lift. And when you feel pressure, you just lean into them. And with mono, you can't do that. You got to give them the you boots. Jerk them yeah, you got to cross their eyes. You got to cross their eyes with <laughs> mono. And there was one time this this summer or fall or late late summer, early fall that really sticks out when Ryan had a bite, but he was cooking, and I ran over to his fishing rod to try and set the hook for him. And I lifted the rod like I would with braid and then dropped the fish shortly thereafter. And, and this clicker was rolling. Yeah, I would, mean, he had it in the back of his throat. My my eight-year-old daughter could have caught him. Yeah, but not, <laughs> but not me. <laughs> so, yeah, I dropped that fish and felt bad about it because it was, it, was, it was a real player. But uh, he's still swimming just fine. He would have been either way, but would have been nice to got a picture of him. Yeah. We'll get another chance. We know where he lives. We do. We do. That's a pretty good stretch. I'm guessing he's not going to leave there. If he did leave, he'll be back. He'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. In that stretch, they probably there's probably some that stick underneath those logs there. The only when the water's good. low. Yeah. There might be one there right now, but I would bet there's not. Because there was not much else around it. <laughs> There's better wintering water downstream. Yeah. Yeah. That's accessible from where they're at. I don't know. You got anything to add, Ryan? Oh. Final thoughts? Final thoughts? I, I don't know. I just hope everybody's out enjoying the outdoors, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that you have. You know, a lot, a lot of the people that are listening probably – busy like we are and you know just take the opportunity to get out enjoy yourself you know give us some feedback let us know how you guys are doing uh you know wherever you're at you know let us know species that you're after you know time you spend on the water some great stories just to kind of interact with us you know like to get to know some of you guys and you know uh maybe give you guys a little feedback and you give us some feedback and We'll enjoy all this together. I appreciate feedback. I know Ryan appreciates feedback. So my my parting thoughts are right with Ryan, and I will emphasize that I genuinely enjoy seeing people out on the water because you know the the more of us that are out there, the uh, the stronger our voice is in the eyes of the public. So I I think that's super cool. And people who are outside, majority of the time have a big old smile on their face and they're having a good time and that's what it's all about so i know while i'm at work that's all i think about <laughs> yeah <laughs> getting Abs outside absolutely so that's all the time we got for this one hope you enjoyed it and appreciate you taking the time to listen to it 
Catch you, John. Thanks, guys. Vote now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.